Hello and welcome to our latest episode of X's and Opinions. And we have a fantastic, exceptional group of individuals here to provide you updates and analysis of the professional sports world. I am Wilna Lewis, the host of this episode, and we have, I'm going to introduce them individually. So the man that needs no introduction, but he's still going to get introduced anyways, WSU Assistant Sports Director Christian Gardner. Christian, how are you doing? Wilner, with that, geez, you make me feel so nice, man. Great to be here with you and, of course, our other guest here today. Very excited to make your debut. I mean, Christian, you you stated it, making her WSOU Sports debut, assist WSOU Assistant's News Director, but dipping her hand in the sports side today, the one, the only, Veronica Gale. Veronica, how are you? So good. I'm so excited to talk some sports, you know, first time as an ex is an opinion. So some, you do something new every day. So very excited to see where this goes. And it's going to go great because this past week we've had a lot of sports news coming from a majority, if not all of the professional sports leagues that we have in the United States. But we're going to start off with one of the bigger topics of this past week, the NBA trade deadline. So the deadline was Thursday at 3 p.m. And NBA teams from across the league were going crazy to get those trades off one way or another to either bolster their roster for a playoff push or redo their roster for a potential restart and a potential rebuild for their leagues. And again, Christian and Veronica, we saw a lot of trades happen and we saw a lot of trades that seemed like they were going to happen, but didn't happen. So Christian, what were some trades that happened on that day before the trade deadline that, that surprised you or even a trade that didn't happen that surprised you? Well, overall, I think the biggest storyline from this one is how much Orlando was able to sell. They gave up Fournier and Vucevic, along with Aaron Gordon, who they've been trying to move for quite some time. But the biggest surprise for me was not seeing Kyle Lowry dealt. I, I think that it was very close of him going back to Philadelphia. Of course, he played it for Villanova under Jay Wright. But And then we also heard rumors of him going all the way to the Lakers. But then, of course, nothing happens. He thought he was going to his last game right before the deadline. He chucked up the deuces, saying his goodbyes to everyone up in Toronto, but we still see him there today. So um, definitely a lot of moves. But for me, that was the biggest surprise there. Uh, so many, so many big trades. And I mean, Christian, I, I agree with you there. I, I thought that you you looked at that what happened after the game, like you stated, Christian Kyle Lowry, just he put up the peace sign. And then during the press game for conference or post game conference, he's on FaceTime with Drake. Like I thought that it was the, the perfect moment for Kyle Lowry to be dealt away from the Raptors, but it, it seemed like the Raptors were being stingy with him and none of the trade packages were really suiting the Raptors' needs. So it's a, a great sign for Toronto fans to see Kyle Lowry still be on the team, even though I believe he will be a free agent this coming offseason. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on, on that end, you know, if he's able to stay with the Raptors, you know, post offseason or, or postseason, you know, once the offseason comes around. Veronica, what about you? Any trades that happened on that day that, that really surprised or shocked you? I mean, I think you guys covered it all. He threw up the peace signs. He was ready to go. And then he didn't go. So a little shocking, but everything else kind of saw it, not necessarily saw it coming, but once it occurred, I was like, well, this makes sense. So again, it was those trades that 
that were happening that that teams were trying to get that push into the playoffs. I mean, we, like you talked about uh, Christian and Kyle Lowry. We, we talked that we saw the Bulls make a couple of trades. We saw the Nuggets even get Aaron Gordon, which that trade kind of seemed like it came out of left field. Aaron Gordon was potentially going to go to the Celtics. But then once that deadline started coming around, they were able to go to the Nuggets. And now the Nuggets improving their roster and improving their backcourt with Aaron Gordon or even their front court, depending on what position they want to play Aaron Gordon. But to, to go on to that, there were teams that made trades, but there was teams that kind of took a little bit of a backseat, Christian. So what are some of those teams that didn't make any moves at the deadline that you thought were, were potentially going to make some moves either to better the roster or to go into a little bit of a rebuild? For me, I'm looking at Golden State. This is a team that in a wide open West, they've been pretty successful so far, but you kept on hearing rumors of possibly trading for Oladipo and talking about maybe moving Kelly Oubre or anything, but we didn't hear anything from that camp at all. Kelly Oubre is still a Golden State Warrior, which is probably for the better. He's one of the top defenders. But Victor Oladipo, you're telling me that the Heat were able to just give up Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek and you couldn't make a similar offer for that? I don't know about that one. But, hey, they were able to do what they could, and they're still a successful team out there in the West and they'll still be battling, but it might have been a little bit easier with Victor Oladipo on their team. And it could just be possibly that the Warriors are still in, in their rebuild phase, still waiting for you know, Clay Thompson to come back next season after his injuries, still having Steph Curry as well as Draymond Green and what he's been able to do this season, you know, with an increased role. Veronica, you know, th there were a lot of teams that didn't make any trades. There were, was there a team that you thought, you know, potentially would have made a move on a couple of players? Honestly, I got to agree with you guys. I was thinking the same thing. I Me mean, personally, when it comes to these trades, I love – if it was up to me, every team would be trading. I think it adds drama, it adds layers. It changes the season up a little bit more. So I just wish, in general, there were just more, significantly more. It's more fun to see. And I mean, honestly, I, I feel like, Christian, you could agree with that too. I mean, when you saw all those trades happening, you know, at the deadline, it's just like, wow, this adds a lot of fun, a lot of characters, you know, it, it, it adds to Twitter and, you know, Woj and, and Shams were just going there left, right and center with their bombs and, you know, introducing trades and, and saying what's happening. And honestly, it's fun just to, you know, be on Twitter, Christian, and just go through that and just see, oh, this trade happened. Wait a minute now, this trade happened. Oh, hold on now, like this trade happened. So like <laughs> overall, Christian, like I, I feel like Veronica is right on that one that, more trades, they, they need to happen, you feel me? They need to happen. It brings a, a completely different layer to the league. I think this is every NBA Twitter fan's favorite time of the year because you see in all these different rumors left and right as they're coming in, and that last hour or so, it just seems like everything just kind of kicks up just like that. And you kind of wish that your team was more involved with it at me as a Wizards fan. I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not moving Bradley Beal just yet, so – there's not not as fun of a trade deadline, even though I would cry if Bradley Beal was traded. But it, it, it's fine. It's fine. But, Will, I mean, your Bulls, they were kicking up. And I think one of the biggest things for me was that we saw a lot of rumors about Lonzo Ball getting moved for the Pelicans. And I think it was absolutely the right move to keep Lonzo Ball because I think New Orleans can really build something if they wanted to with those young players, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. I think that can be a huge big three in years down the road. Yeah, it's definitely good to see the Pelicans, you know, really focusing on their young core. And I mean, even with that 
AD trade, everybody was like, oh, they gave up a lot, you know, and all of that. And Anthony Davis now on the Lakers. And speaking on the Lakers, I thought the Lakers would have potentially made a couple moves at the trade deadline just because you are dealing with injuries to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, which we will talk about it, uh, later on in the show. Um, and I thought, you know, potentially you move some of those younger pieces. And, you know, THT was one of those pieces that was getting talked on potentially moving, you know, for that trade for Kyle Lowry, because it seemed like that was potentially going to be a trade that would happen where Kyle Lowry would go uh, to the Lakers. But the Los Angeles team that wears the yellow and purple, they, they seemed like, they were more set on leaving their core and leaving their young core on their squad. So, you know, again, the Lakers surprised me that they didn't move anybody or they didn't decide to dabble in a couple of trades, but it definitely shows that they want to focus in on their young core. And again, all these trades are to potentially help your roster and potentially make an impact. We, we see a lot of top teams, know in the standings and we saw a lot of teams middle of the pack you know making those trades so Christian do you which trades do you think are going to make the most immediate impact and do you think any of these trades will change anything in in the playoff standings for me I loved what Chicago did I I don't think it makes them a true contender but I think in this wide open east we've seen that teams can go from the a seed all the way up to the four seed in just like a week and adding Vucevic, an all-star center, to Zach Levine and what he can do. And also keeping Laurie Markkinen. I don't know how that will work with Vucevic and Markkinen side by side. But I think this creates a very, very difficult team to, to defend. And they can put up a lot of points in an Eastern Conference that they can go all the way up to maybe even a four seed. And I mean, like you, like you stated earlier, Christian, me being a Chicago Bulls fan, it's definitely, definitely nice to see. But I, I think you do have a lot of those top contenders. So the Bulls ain't really going to do much. I believe they're ninth or 10th in the standings right now. So with, with that trade for Vucevic, I mean, that just kind of just allows them to get more of a secure spot in the playoffs and not have to potentially play in that play-in Um playoff games this year but it definitely does help out I think Victor Oladipo to the Heat as well like that trade the Heat they've been a little shaky this year in terms of COVID-19 in terms of um, having to deal with a couple of injuries but when they're on they are pretty solid and adding Victor Oladipo to the Heat could definitely help them out and again this was a Heat team that made it to the NBA finals last year so it definitely helps them out maybe immediate I don't know how much it's going to help out in terms of contenders because like you stated Christian we have a lot of contenders and or not even a lot of contenders but the contenders that the NBA does have is leaps and bounds above everybody else and we're going to talk about that in a little bit because one of the contenders did get a little better recently this past week so uh, Veronica any trade deadlines you know any moves that that you think could potentially change up the standings as well I mean, one move that really stood out to me was the trade between the Orlando Magic and the Denver Nuggets. Definitely seeing that trade go through. I think that might change some stuff up. Those two teams are going to look really different now, so I'm curious to see what happens. And the Denver Nuggets, shout out to Jory Mickens, you know, our, our another fellow WSOU sports assistant, and I know he was very happy when that trade happened. But enough of the trade deadline talk because not only were there the trade deadlines, but there was a lot of signings, a lot of movings, and just a lot of – overall storylines in the NBA in general this past weekend. 
The more breaking news as we're recording this Sunday, March 28th, but over the past 24 hours, we saw LaMarcus Aldridge get added on to that Brooklyn Nets squad. And it seems like the Brooklyn Nets are just adding every single piece. You know, they, they got the Infinity Gauntlet, just adding each jewel on their hands. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is a little bit older, but we also saw a couple of other pieces, and more notably Blake Griffin when he got onto the Brooklyn Nets. It was all like, Blake Griffin can't dunk no more. He hasn't dunked in two years, but got onto the Nets and he just started jamming out of the show. So, Christian, I mean, <laughs> what what do you take from this signing for the Brooklyn Nets, being able to get LaMarcus Aldridge? I, I'm so tired of them. I, I, <laughs> I hate it. This arms race that they're putting together right now. I mean, if this was – thinking about my 15-year-old self, if that team came together in 2015 – how insane this team would be and they're still all in their prime maybe LaMarcus Aldridge Blake Griffin they're kind of on the other side of it but still these are all exceptional players and in their prime LaMarcus Aldridge at a time was the number one power forward in all of the NBA and now he's just going to come off the bench for the Brooklyn Nets just because he can and it's absolutely stupid what Brooklyn's about to do but I mean even the Lakers is trying to add to it. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But, man, this is now – if you made this team in 2K, I probably still wouldn't believe you. And it's coming to fruition in real life right now. You're just into my GM mode in 2K, Christian. You're just like, let me make these trades. You turn off the, um, the CPU trade request thingy, whatever setting that is in 2K, and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to force all these trades. And – <laughs> that just it, it seems like that's what the Nets are doing. I mean, you have Katie, you have Kyrie, which those two on their own were already favorites to win the NBA title. Then James Harden forces his way out of the Rockets and now was on the Nets. And, you know, we're going to talk about what he said recently. Um, so you have that. You have Blake Griffin, who, again, couldn't jump over a piece of paper a couple of years ago, but now was catching lobs and he just came off of a 17 point outing. Um, against the Pistons and now LaMarcus Aldridge who isn't fantastic right now he only averages about 14 points five rebounds but if we saw Blake Griffin get a resurgence with the Brooklyn Nets then I mean LaMarcus Aldridge could potentially get that too Veronica I mean I, I just I, this trade or this signing excuse me is ridiculous and it just adds to what the Brooklyn Nets have Veronica I have to agree. I mean, you love hearing a local team. I mean, we're, we're located in South Orange, New Jersey. You love hearing a local team in the discussion. Definitely. They're getting a little scary. I'm not going to lie. I would be a little nervous to play them if I played basketball. So it's great to see what's going on here. So we'll see what happens. I think the next signing that the Brooklyn Nets are going to do is add Veronica Gale to their roster. Cause... That would be, that would be too much. That would be, I listen, I couldn't watch basketball because we would know who's winning the finals. I mean, my five-foot self jumping on me as basketball players would be immaculate, so. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back championships for Brooklyn. That's all they could ask, you fool me. That's all they could ask for. But the Lakers are trying to see if they could answer with a couple of signings on their own. No, it is not Veronica Gale that they are signing, but they're going to be signing Andre Drummond. Uh, The reports came out as we are recording at about 2 p.m. that at 5 p.m. when Andre Drummond uh, clears through the waivers in the NBA that he intends to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. And 
Andre Drummond, I think, honestly, this might be a more impactful signing between the two that we're talking about, between Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge. I think Andre Drummond, he's 27-year-old. He's 27 years old, averages 17.5 points. He averages uh, 13.5 rebounds this season. He's a younger center, like I stated, at 27 years old. And we saw last year what the Lakers were able to do with old man Dwight Howard and Shaq in the full MVP, JaVale McGee. So now if you're able to add on to this roster and add on a younger piece, Christian, I think that this is able to help out the Lakers and in terms of trying to battle potentially the Brooklyn Nets for the NBA championship. Yeah, I think that's been the, I guess, the biggest weakness when you talk about this Nets team is probably that front court. And now it's completely loaded for the Lakers when you have, when you're talking LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and now Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond at his best, can be the best center in the league. He is an elite, elite big man. And everything that he does is just cleaning the glass, always getting those big rebounds, extra possessions like that. And, of course, a fantastic rim protector as well. I mean, can't ask even more of that. And on this comparison to Aldridge, Drummond is going to be your starting center. And he is an all-star player and consistently will continue to make all-stars as Aldridge is on the other half of his career. I think this is a fantastic signing for both squads. Andre Drummond, he's been trying to, he was traded out of Detroit and then was kind of lost on that Cleveland team. Uh, he was supposed to be leading that squad, but obviously a little bit forced his way out of that situation and now is on his way to contending for a championship and will probably make it to his first finals as well. The potential starting lineup for the Lakers if they do get Andre Drummond, if everybody is healthy, so probably around playoffs time you would have Dennis Schroeder KCP LeBron AD and Andre Drummond like you stated Christian Andre Drummond being able to just immediately be inserted in that starting center lineup so Veronica again a huge signing for the Lakers what's your takeaway with this I mean this is especially huge for um especially because LeBron and Davis are both out right now getting a new big name big player in that spin it could really help the Lakers keep up that momentum until those two players can get back in the game so I think it's definitely huge for them and definitely could really help them this season. Yeah, and Veronica, that, the fact that you brought up the injuries, you know, definitely transitions well into our next point. You have LeBron James having his injury, um, being out four to six weeks due to a high ankle sprain or could miss four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Anthony Davis still, um, still weighs away from recovering from his injury. So again, you, your two biggest players are down with an injury. But this allows them time to potentially rest, to potentially get ready for the playoffs. Again, this is a Lakers squad that was on a quick turnaround to start off the season as they only rested, I believe, under 70 or under 80 days until um, the end of the NBA Finals and the start of the regular season this year. So, um, Christian, how much do those injuries affect the Lakers and affect their push to potentially get a back-to-back title? Because, again, LeBron James, I mean, potentially an MVP talk about that but with those two players missing out I mean the Lakers haven't been looking really great as of recent short term it's disastrous I mean you're losing the greatest player of all time and Anthony Davis as well but long term I don't think it really changes their race for another championship I think by the time you get to the playoffs they'll be ready to go maybe momentum wise you got to get back together back into the swing of things how you like to play basketball after being a month without lebron james 
it, it's going to be rough for the Lakers. And what will that do seating wise? I don't really, I don't really know. But I think once they get into the playoffs, we all know playoff LeBron. So it doesn't really matter. He's going to get his team to the finals no matter what. So overall, it sucks that we miss another month of LeBron James playing. Uh, but here's the thing. He, he's, still, he's still the GOAT. So it doesn't really matter in the end. Definitely a big, bold statement that you had, Christian, saying that he's the greatest of all time. You want to just want to say that with your chest a little bit more just so I, the people I, can get I it? I will stake it till I die. Till I die, especially if he gets this championship this year. Come on now. When, when we have a new Monstars in the Brooklyn Nets, come on. I need you to say it explicitly. Say LeBron James is the greatest of all time. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time, better than Michael Jordan. It, it's, it's, it's there. There you go. Soundbite, all the podcasts, wherever you're listening, you can keep it locked because it's LeBron James. Exactly. About, I'll say 20 minutes. I got to figure out how the editing and stuff is going to work out. About 20 minutes in the broadcast. There you go. You got you got your point right there if you're listening right now. If you're listening, of course, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast from, you could tune in. So we do appreciate you guys listening to us as of right now. Again, Christian Gardner, Veronica Gale, Wilmer Lewis here on this podcast. And uh, those injuries, again, LeBron James missing potentially four to six weeks with his ankle sprain. Anthony Davis still dealing with his injuries. It is impactful. I think rest could play into a factor, and I think it also depends on how healed both players are when the playoffs do come around. But I think the Lakers, it don't really matter what seed they get. They could be the two seed, eight seed, playing in that playing game. I think you're going to get – a good squad out there, but Veronica, you might, you might disagree with me. I don't know. So what's your thoughts on, on the injuries to LeBron and AD? I mean, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Um, let's look at the Lakers 2018, 2019 season. LeBron gets hurt halfway through they start losing. As soon as he get back in, they start winning again. No surprise there. And then the next year they win the championship. So you see like the difference in those two seasons because LeBron got hurt. I could see this really actually hurting the team really bad, especially because Davis is out too. The team's built around LeBron and Davis. So we got to see what happens, but I, I think this might be more de detrimental than you guys think. Interesting. Uh, that's a very interesting point that you say there, Veronica. I don't know. I, I feel like, again, if, if you get, you're getting LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're, they're well-rested now. You feel me? If they're able to come back into the playoffs in hundred percent, you know, the Lakers are, bringing in the holy water on both of the injuries they're they're doing everything that they can to make sure that LeBron and Anthony Davis will be 100% by the time the playoffs come around and I think you have them you have their skill set you have them finally being able to be on a resting period and I think they're going to be hungry to potentially get a back-to-back -back championship like you stated Christian Christian if LeBron is able to get this championship then I think that has to potentially solidify him being the greatest of all time because even getting the championship last year everybody's like oh it's a mickey mouse ring oh they wanted it in a bubble oh people were playing well in the bubble they weren't having to deal with travel and all of that fun stuff like there were so many storylines that's like oh let me discredit this championship when you talk about the championship uh lebron got at the miami oh let me discredit this because he had the big three when you try to discredit the Cavs championship oh is because of a couple of injuries because of um, Draymond Green having to get suspended game six, the Cavs were able to come back like, or, or the Cavs were able to win that series. Like 
there, there's always some storyline that comes around with LeBron winning a championship. But if he's able to win one this year, Christian, I think you're there. There's nothing that you can really say. Like you have Kyrie, Katie, James Harden on the team together. They're going to try to find a way to be like, oh, Blake Griffin is washed. Lamarcus Aldridge is washed. But even them two, if they're able to be in their prime and, and, and be able to play the way that we're, we're seeing Blake Griffin play right now and Lamarcus Aldridge could potentially play, I think if he's able to beat that squad, if they meet up in the championship, then there's, there, there, there's no other way that you can say that he's not the greatest of all time, Christian. At 36, on a bum ankle, beating three, three, three. Count them, three, and James Harden might win another one, too. If he could do that at 36 on a bum ankle with a limited offseason, are you kidding me? There, there's there's no debate ever. And this is, a, this is the man that went to the finals for a decade straight. A decade. You can go an entire, an entire career not going to the finals, and this man did it for a full 10-year span. Are you kidding me? With three different teams, no, I, I, I do not. I refuse. I refuse. If he gets this finals championship this year, stop it. Stop it. I will not have any debates with nobody ever. You can talk to your mother. I don't care. <laughs> and that's the one point that you brought up that I completely, I don't know why I blanked on that one. People talk about Michael Jordan. Oh, he's 6-0 in the finals. But Michael Jordan also lost in the first round of the playoffs a couple of times. Like LeBron, every time he touches the playoffs, I mean, he's making it to the finals. Minus the one year that he missed the playoffs because he was out of an injury, like Veronica Gale has stated earlier. But still, like, this man touches the playoffs, goes to the finals. Now, granted, is his finals record great? Uh, no. I would say, of course, a 6-0 is better than, I believe, what, 4-7 and that LeBron is right now. But the fact that you're making it to 11 – NBA finals is like that's madness like it's crazy it's delusional like it's something that you've never heard of before because you really haven't because it's in the history books that LeBron is the only one that did it for them 11 years so I mean before we move on to another topic because you did talk about how James Harden um potentially could win another MVP Christian I just want I really want to know Veronica's opinion about this because LeBron James is arguably probably the greatest of all time that we're seeing right now but the LeBron Michael Jordan standpoint, you know, where where's your stance on it, Veronica? Because I need I need an official documented statement from you on, on your stance between LeBron and MJ. So I mean it's really hard to like because LeBron is not done playing basketball to fully compare them yet. I think you'd have to wait for him to retire and finish his career. But LeBron James has made it to the championship game for half of my life. I am 20 years old. He's made it 10 uh, for an entire decade. For 50% of my life, I have watched LeBron James make the NBA championships. I mean, I think that stat alone can speak for itself on why this man is probably going to be the GOAT. But that right now, I'm definitely leaving LeBron James. Again, I have to wait for him to like be completely done playing basketball, but 50% of my life. So definitely says something there. So I needed I needed official statement. So you gotta, you gotta pick one. It's not you're kind of weaving away from it. You gotta. Pick I've one tried one. to pick the fence. I won't pick the fence. I'm going LeBron James as the greatest of all time. That is your statement. Thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate it that that we that we have a full LeBron James. I want my. You know what? Is, is our producer Liam Plate here right now? If you want to unmute your mic right now, Liam, I need your opinion on it too. Who? Do you think is the greatest of all time, LeBron James and Michael Jordan? Really pulled me out for this one, huh? Yes, I did. 
Um, I always go back and forth on this question. I think you guys brought up a lot of great points about LeBron. I do agree with Veronica that I think he ought to wait until he finishes out his career. So I think MJ has had a lot of great um, uh, accolades in his career, but then just LeBron's dominance in the league and the fact that the the Brook essentially the Brooklyn Nets are building that team just to beat LeBron in the finals. They're, they don't need to build that team to win the East. They don't need to build that team to beat any other team in the West. They're legit just b- building it to beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I think I've always been a big MJ guy, but I think I'll, 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 I'll switch up my stance a little bit. I, I think I'm coming more towards the LeBron side just because of his dominance over recently and the fact that he's getting older and he's still the same. And like he made his first finals in his third year in the league when he was 23. I like that's insane. And so I'll, I'll go with LeBron here, but thanks for pulling me out, Leonard. <laughs> Thank you. Again, our, our producer, WSU sports assistant, Liam Plate as well, which is, again, an all-star crew that we have here on this edition of Exits and Opinion. So we still thank you for listening about a half an hour in this show right now. But one more NBA topic, because Christian, you did talk about it. Going from one James to the other, going from back from the Lakers back to the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, he had stated after a 44-point performance without KD or Kyrie that he is the clear-cut MVP, that the numbers are stating it for himself, that he should be the MVP of the league. And his numbers, I would say, do kind of prove it. But before I give my opinion on it, because I I feel like his statement could have some truth to it, could not have some truth to it. How do you feel about James Harden being a clear-cut MVP uh, or clear-cut MVP this season, Christian? I think he has to be in this conversation. I The way the Nets have been after that trade, when Kyrie and KD have been out, he's been phenomenal. Absolutely one of the best players in the league and far in between, definitely in this MVP race. I mean, the nights that he can just go 30, 10, and 10, like a triple-double machine, not like my man Russell Westbrook, but still can put up points in a bunch as if he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. James Harden has been on absolute tear, and the Brooklyn Nets are thankful because of it as he continues, continues to lead this team. And even when KD is back in the fold, James Harden's still going to be able to cook and bring able to bringing the Brooklyn Nets to being the best team in the league. He has to be the MVP or an MVP candidate. Veronica, before I state my opinions, I want your your thoughts on James Harden being the most valuable player of the NBA this year. I mean, I agree with Christian. He has to be in this conversation. He's having a great season. He averages 11.4 assists per game. He's leading the league with it. Um, He's a very – he distributes when he makes plays. He's not really selfish-based. So I definitely think – he needs to be in the conversation. 11 triple doubles this season so far. I mean, he's a great player. We've been talking about him all day. We've been talking about his team all day. So definitely he's got to be in this conversation. I wouldn't be shocked if he won the MVP. I think I wouldn't be shocked either, but there's still that part of me that's like, are we talking about the most outstanding player with the MVP conversation or the most valuable player with the MVP conversation? And you normally hear that conversation when everything, when the MVP conversation gets close. I think we saw it a couple of years ago when it was between James Harden and Steph Curry. We, we saw it with a couple of other MVP conversations where it's like, 
which one are you really leaning towards? Are you going to lean towards a player that's just been playing well and giving him the MVP title or a player that means a lot to his team and giving him the MVP title? And James Harden, like you guys have stated, statistically is absolutely tremendous right now. 25.4 points, 8.7 rebounds, and 11.5 assists with a 24-7 and record on the Nets ever since he was traded to the team. But there's still that part of me that's like, you're doing it some games when Kyrie's on the floor. You're doing it some games when KD's on the floor. And granted, yes, he had 44 points without those players on the floor. But if you look at other players across the league, look to the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, look towards Milwaukee with Giannis, even though he just won the MVP, still having a pretty good statistical season this year. And unfortunately, LeBron and uh, Joel Embiid, who were – a little bit, probably a little bit more favorites above James Harden and currently still are favorites above James Harden as those four players that I stated in terms of Vegas are higher favorites over James Harden. I think had they not went down for injuries, I think those two players, LeBron and uh, Joel Embiid, would have been potentially in that conversation a little bit more. Again, I think James Harden has been balling out. I think James Harden has been showing that he is not a selfish player with the assists. He's been showing that he could score with his points, but you look at Jokic, he's averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds, almost nine, nine assists as well. You look at um, Giannis, he's averaging 28, 11 and six. So statistically they're kind of on the same wavelength. They're kind of on the same path. And I just think that, those players mean a little bit more to their squads than James Harden does, which is where the title most valuable player, I think that comes into a little bit more because the Nets without James Harden will still be fine. The Bucks without Giannis would not be fine. The Nuggets without Jokic wouldn't be that great. The Lakers without LeBron wouldn't be fine, even though as we're seeing right now, and the 76ers without Joel Embiid are, are they're, they're, they're floating, but they're not great as well. So, Christian, I don't know. Like, that's just the way that I feel. If you're looking at most outstanding player versus most valuable player, I think most outstanding player, I'll probably say James Harden by a mile, but most valuable player, I think, yes, he's in the conversation, but I think there's other players that are potentially in that running. I think it's a very fair point. Like, you take Jokic off of the Denver Nuggets, they're not going to be in the top half of the Western Conference. But – with James Harden, him not being on the Nets, of course, they're still going to make the playoffs in the East and still be a, a big contender in the East. But James Harden brings them to another level, like an upper echelon team that they can continuously be able to compete. And James Harden has been probably the best player over the past month, at least, in the NBA right now. And I think he's deserving of this award because he is very, very valuable. And if we think about it, Right now, if they didn't have James Harden, they're probably not at the top of the East right now with KD out and Kyrie taking some time off as well. So you still have to give that award to James Harden most likely because he is probably the most valuable asset on that Nets team at this very moment. I mean, how are you missing Nicholas Claxton? I mean, give him the MVP. What you mean? Like, <laughs> I think the Nets will be perfectly fine. You got Claxton out there. I know he plays center. James Harden plays a guard position. But, I mean, you can't look at that man dead in his eyes and be like, 
you're not the most valuable player, Christian. No, that that's exactly what James Harden says to Nick Claxton all the time. <laughs> he, he he walks up to him and says, "Hey, man, we we need you on the court because if we don't, we're not making the playoffs." And <laughs> and that's that's just it. That's kind of the leader that James Harden is. So it, he's not a me guy. He's he's a we guy. Exactly. You know, turn turn the M upside down That's from me to we. You know what I mean? If you want the W, you got to have we ball instead of me ball. You know what I mean? So we're kind of cutting it up close on time for some NBA talk. So there are some other storylines throughout the past week um, that we have saw throughout the NBA. Is there any other storylines that you think fans of the sport of basketball should be keeping an eye out on throughout the, the remainder of this season or just as of right now to see if there's any updates. Christian, we'll start with you. I'm excited to see what Lemon Pepper Lou does in Atlanta. I had no clue of why the Clippers made that move, but I feel like Lou Williams deserves to be in Atlanta. I think it's going to be primetime basketball. Definitely see him potentially back in the clubs down there. Hopefully he has his vaccination or hopefully the clubs got some vaccinated people there. So he could be able to stay safe. Veronica, what about you? I honestly just have to agree with the storylines we've been talking about. I mean, the Nets building this new team. You got the Lakers with two people, you know, injured. That, like, kind of switches up. Usually they're just such a powerhouse team that with two other two, – two players injured, they kind of now are at the same level as everyone else, which is always exciting to see. So it makes it a little bit more competitive, which it's sports. It should be competitive. So I'm excited to see what happens there. And we love when sports is competitive. My storyline, I think the Mitchell Robinson injury, you know, it's unfortunate for him and the way that the Knicks have been playing this year. You know, I, I still remember listening to WFAN prior to the season starting, and they were just like, eh, if the Knicks, you know, if they're competitive, if they, they play well, you know, they don't really need to make it to the playoffs. We will still be happy with how the Knicks are performing. But, you know, as of right now, they're in the middle of the pack of the East and, Mitchell Robinson, you just got a feel for him, uh, broke his right foot and is going to be reevaluated on the date of recording, I believe, um, as the team are going, is going to evaluate him on Sunday. Um, he just came back from an injury. You know, he broke his right hand a couple of games or a month prior, um, and he missed 15 games. So it's just coming back, coming in the swing of things, and now he has another injury. So, um you know, we wish the best for Mitchell Robinson, and hopefully I, I want to see the Knicks still be competitive because it's pretty fun to see Knicks fans having high expectations for this team. When they when they had low expectations to start off the season and just completely surpassing it, you know, I, I enjoy seeing that. But let's, tri let's transition now from the hardwood to the field, and we heard a lot of trades from the trade deadline on the for the NBA side. And we talked about all those trades, but the NFL had a couple of key trades that happened on their side, I believe the day after. And those trades shaking up the top 12 picks of the NBA or NFL, excuse me, draft um, to completely state the details of the trade. Uh, you had, well, as a recap, you have the 49ers getting the third overall pick you have the Dolphins getting the sixth overall pick and you have the Eagles getting the 12th overall pick now how did all of that happen so you had your first trade where the Dolphins traded the number three overall pick to the 49ers for the 12th pick a first and a third in 2022 and a first round in 2023 and then the 49 or excuse me the Dolphins they took that pick and they traded with the Eagles 
with the Eagles trading their sixth overall pick to the Dolphins for the 12th and a 2022 first round pick. And they also swapped mid mid round picks. So the Eagles get the 123rd pick and the Dolphins get the 156 pick. So Christian, that, that news came out that, oh, here's all these trades happening in the NFL draft and switching up that top half of the draft. What was your initial reactions to it? Because it was just madness on NFL Twitter when that happened. First, from San Francisco, it, it has to be they're going up to get their quarterback at three. And I'm not exactly sure who's going to be there because we'll talk about it a little bit more. But Zach Wilson seems like he might be a lock there at number two. And there are there are some projects that you can take. Justin Fields, he's a he's a very good quarterback. He has made some great throws. I'm not very sold on him. And then, of course, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. If that's their guy at number three, it will be very, very interesting. So I wasn't very sure from that standpoint, as Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence are probably the top tier of quarterbacks in this draft. And to get your third option in that point, I don't know if you send that, but I think for me, Miami, what they're able to do off of just the Laramie Tunsil trade, just that is the most insane story. If you think about going all the way back to, I think the 2014 draft where he had some scandal, I think his uncle put out a video of him, of him smoking weed or something like that. And which made him fall in the draft, fall to the dolphins. And then of course he's been, fantastic in the league that then they shipped to Houston to get a whole bunch of picks and including that third overall pick that now got them another first round pick. And now the dolphins are an absolute dynasty all because of Laramie Tunsil. So I think that is just an amazing storyline to follow for the past few years. And then for me, the, the Eagles trading out of the six pick, I don't know what you're doing there. You have a chance to have a generational player at number six, and now you're going to have to wait even more. And for me, I thought Kyle Pitts of Florida was a lock to Philadelphia. And that is a player that we have not seen in quite some time and probably won't see for a long time. At tight end, so physical, so fast. He's basically just a huge wide receiver, almost a Megatron type of player that you decided not to draft. And it makes no sense. Of course, you got another first round pick, but would you rather have a generational player or a few extra players? And I, I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know either, but it, for me, it seems like the, the Eagles are potentially moving, potentially extending their rebuild because they traded Carson Wentz and in that trade, they put, could potentially get a first round out of that. And then of course this trade moving back to the 12th overall pick, you get another first round next year for that. So they have a potential for three first round picks next year, which maybe helps them out, but you also kind of don't need that rebuild. I, I think the Eagles, they, they could be competitive in a division, which the division as a whole just seems a little shaky. Maybe the Cowboys can finally, you know, put everything together with all of their injuries coming back and that they will be able to maybe take it, maybe the Washington football team, you know, they, they've been showing signs that they could potentially take it. You got the Giants uh, with their signings that they were able to get throughout the free agency period. I, I think the Eagles don't really need that rebuild, but it seems like they're just going full-fledged. Let's potentially tank out this season and, and rebuild for the following season. I think the Dolphins, they're showing that they have trust in, in Tua, so they don't really need it 
They really didn't need that third overall pick and just getting some draft capital back off of that. And then the 49ers, I think it's interesting to see, as we're going to talk about next, that they said that Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy at quarterback. But when you move up to three, I, I, I think that doesn't really show that Jimmy G is going to be a quarterback, considering all the quarterbacks that are in the NFL draft this year. But Veronica, again, some crazy NFL uh, draft trades. What's your opinions on it? I mean, definitely crazy. I think I had to read it like three times to fully grasp what was going on because it was like a three-way trade, which is always fun to see. Um, I think all these teams, they got, they're cooking something up big. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Draft starts April 29th, my birthday. Can't wait to see what happens. So at the moment, I want to see who they pick before I can give concrete opinions, see exactly where they go with it. But they all have it's going to be exciting to see exactly where this goes. So love to see some good draft picks. Love to see some trades. It's always exciting. Well, for happy early birthday. I'm pretty sure when everybody's going to be sitting down, you know, watching those first couple of picks go off and then be like, wait a minute, it's Veronica Gale's birthday. So I think it definitely, definitely adds, it might even add a little something to me so I could actually remember because, you know, I, I kind of might've forgot your birthday was, you know, that day until you actually told me right now. But I think again, when you have the 49ers stating that Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy just a couple of days before and you fledge out that trade to get the third overall pick, it's not like other players would have potentially won out, you know, with their pick that they had initially. Um, And I think you have quarterbacks in this draft, of course, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance are kind of the, the top quarterbacks of this draft. And you do have, it's a couple of skilled players, like you stated, Christian, you know, Kyle Pitch, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith. You, you have those players, and I don't, I don't think you need to trade all the way up to three to get those players in terms of the skilled players. So it definitely shows me, Christian, that the 49ers, they're, they're trying to get a quarterback, and I think the first two quarterbacks that are going to be off the board is going to be clearly Trevor Lawrence at one and then – Zach Wilson at two because he had a great pro day. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but those two quarterbacks are going to be probably easily off the board first. And I think if you're going third overall, you're either one hoping that one of those quarterbacks don't go off or two, you're just trading up to get one of those quarterbacks because Justin Fields could be still a good quarterback. The jury's still waiting to see what he could do. No, Mac Jones may be underrated, maybe not. Who knows? And then Trey Lance, you know, coming from a, a non-major school, still want to see what he could do. But I, I think if you're trading up to three, you're more than likely trying to get a quarterback at that position. And to do that a month ahead of time as well. It's not as if they're surveying the board and seeing, oh, wait, we can go up and still get Jamar Chase. You do that night of, not a whole month before. You're only doing that to get your quarterback. That's what the Rams did a few years ago to go get Jared Goff and the Eagles did to go get Carson Wentz. So it's clearly they're going for a quarterback and I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be. I I wouldn't be mad at Mac Jones being the pick. I, I think Mac Jones has been huge for Alabama and put up fantastic numbers that we saw the same to Joe Burrow did a year ago. So Definitely could be the pick. Justin Fields has a lot of fantastic traits. 
And when you're talking about Kyle Shannon as your coach, this is a guy that plays Madden in real life. <laughs> this He can create a full-fledged offense around one player and made Matt Ryan become an MVP. So if he can get his guy, the 49ers can be in great shape. And I think it's going to be like, because the 49ers, they, they were solid with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. I think their offense was definitely a little bit more run heavy. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that mobile in terms of how he can move. So if you do get a mobile quarterback and potentially Justin Fields, because we have seen him make plays with his legs, I think you know that could have definitely help out. Or if you hope the best and hope that Zach Wilson you know, doesn't go to the Jets, even though all the signs are pointing to the Jets drafting Zach Wilson, I think, that would be beneficial to the 49ers as well if they're able to get him too. But to transition now, since we're talking all about the man, Zach Wilson, there was a play on social media. I mean, he was rolling out left, was able to torque his body back right and throw on the run. And, you know, everybody on Twitter was going absolutely crazy because of that throw, including myself, because that honestly is a fantastic throw that a quarterback is able to make. And it seems like, Again, all the signs are pointing that the Jets are going to sign Zach Wilson with that second overall pick. Christian and Veronica, do you think that that would be a good move for the Jets to draft another quarterback and potentially, you know, not wait out to see what Sam Darnold could do this coming year? I think when you're getting a new coach in Mo Salah, it's fine for him to go get his guy. Sam Darnold, he's a fine quarterback but it seems that Zach Wilson can be a great one. And I, I thought for a lot of this process that they're going to go with Sewell or another offensive lineman there to go alongside Makai Becton. But quarterback is the most important position in the game. If you only feel okay about one guy, you might as well get a guy that you love. And Zach Wilson, he's crazy accurate. And man, I, I the arm strength that he has, I didn't realize how good that was, but to roll to your left, throw back to the right, and in stride as well to your wide receiver, about 40, 50 yards down the field, that man, he's going to be nice. Again, it's going to be beautiful to see. Veronica, what about you and the Jets potentially taking him at number two? I mean, here's the thing with the Jets. They had such a terrible season that there's not much they can do to make themselves worse. Like, they can only go up from here. You're at the bottom. You can only really go up. So I definitely think it's the right thing for them. They're doing, they're making a great move. I've been reading that he's the only QB who's a possibility that can throw like Patrick Mahomes. So definitely a great player. Um, and you want to see a local team do well, obviously. So I hope they do great. I think it's a good move for them. I mean, out of all the local teams you want to see do great, the Jets though, like I, I kind of like. Definitely I prefer the be... Giants, but <laughs> I mean, if I can't have the Giants, I guess I'll do the Jets. I mean, seeing Gang Green just be in the pit of a abysmal abyss, like, it, it's kind of fun to see, honestly. Like, the Giants definitely want to see them do a little better. And I, I like Daniel Jones. I like the way that he plays. But I don't know. The Jets, they just, they just don't appeal to me. And overall, in terms of, you know, this move that they're going to just take Zach Wilson at number two, honestly, I thought that they would have probably traded that pick back. And, and, and potentially move back in the draft and get a couple of skill positions and hope that Sam Darnold is able to perform well this year. Because I think the issue with Sam Darnold is just that he doesn't have enough weapons and he doesn't have time in the pocket to make his throws. But we have seen when he's able to make his throws that they are pretty solid as well. And we also have seen a couple of times where he's a little mobile as well. So 
I, I thought maybe get a couple uh, of draft capital with that second overall pick, hope for the best in Sam Darnold this year. And if he doesn't perform well, then next year you might draft a quarterback. And But uh, I don't know. I, I think it definitely does. I, I don't think it hurts the Jets that much, Christian, if they do pick a quarterback at number two. But I think it, it probably would have been better if they – move back in the draft and got the capital like we have saw those other teams you know do in those couple of trades I don't know I would I would chuck that up to more of the Eagles side than the Miami Dolphins side if they traded out of this because Zach Wilson can be a special player and I think if you stay there make that pick and you'll be good I I think that of course you could pick up a lot more picks but they also have another first rounder back at 25 I believe so they're already picking twice in the first round. I think you can you can take Zach Wilson and be very happy about it and pound the table and say, yes, we got him. And I think that will be what they'll do moving forward. I would also like to see Penny Sewell, but I think Zach Wilson is their guy, and it's official to me. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on the draft day of Veronica Gale's birthday. So Another NFL topic that recently came out today was the fact that the NFL will be moving to a 17-game regular season, 17-game regular season slate. So the potential with that will be three preseason games and then 17 regular season games. And there were speculations about what those matchups for that 17th game could be. So locally, the Jets will host the Eagles and the Giants will be in Miami to play the Dolphins. So Christian, your thoughts on a potential extra game or extra regular season game that the NFL is planning to play next year? I think from the fan standpoint, we're always like, I would love to have more football, but I think players aren't necessarily going to want to play this extra week. I think they need that extra rest, but I think what is missing though, is that we love the end of the year win or go home situation and not having the divisional teams play each other in the last week of the season, that that's going to be a lost kind of competition and extra, extra drama that comes in with the NFL season. Cause growing up around the NFC East, it seemed almost every year it came down to one game and see win or go home, who goes to the playoffs and to have that, but instead you're playing the dolphins in the Giants, and then you have to watch another game. It, it's not the same. It's just not the same. And I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I love extra football. So it works for me. And I don't know if it will work for players because I think Alvin Kamara was talking about not loving this decision by the league. But here we are. We're going to have, I guess, week 17 extra play. I think in terms of matchups, like you have stated, Christian, just like the divisional matchups to end off the season would be better. But even on top of that, too, like the matchups that are going to happen due to the way that the scheduling is going to be. I mean, who really wants to see the Jets and the Eagles at the end of the season? Who really wants to see the Giants and the Dolphins at the end of the season? Now, not to say, you know, potentially those two teams or four teams could be completely good next year. But looking at the way that they played last year, I mean, that's just very snooze football that we are seeing there. I'm ready to put my head on a pillow and go to sleep just even talking about those matchups. So I, I think they need to potentially work it differently. But again, Veronica, you might have a different opinion than, than me and Christian kind of feel on it. So what's your thoughts on this potential extra regular season game? 
I mean, as a fan, the more games, the better, right? You just want to see, you just want to see your teams play. You want to have a good time, watch the game with some buddies. But I have to agree for the players, like you want the week to not have to play a game necessarily. So especially, you know, injuries come up, stuff like that. Like it would really stink for someone to get injured in this extra game. That would like really hurt a team. But for as a fan standpoint, absolutely. The more football, the better. As a player standpoint, eh, not the best. I think if they want to potentially balance that out, and I saw this tweet, I forgot who tweeted it out that it could potentially help balance this out, would be have a 17-week regular season slate, but have two bye weeks and push the Super Bowl back to, I think, President's Day. So you would have that Monday off as well, which would completely help out the fans because everybody knows how dreaded it is to potentially go to school or work after after the Super Bowl Sunday. And overall, I think that would have more eyes on the game if people know that they don't have to wake up at five or six in the morning to either wake up to look at their laptops for work or have to commute to school. So quickly, I guess this would be our last topic as we're running out of time here on this X's and Opinions episode. What would be your thoughts on that? Having two bye weeks in the season and moving the Super Bowl back that week to be on that President's Day weekend. This is exactly what we've been waiting for. Exactly. It's so rough after being up for the Super Bowl. It First of all, it's a national holiday. You might as well make it a legit one with President's Day as well. But two bye weeks, I think that's necessary for teams because it is so beneficial when a team gets rest and able to prepare for their next game. Having two of those would be phenomenal. And while we're at it, you might as well get rid of the preseason as well. Uh, those extra games, you don't need those extra hits. Of course, you miss out on opportunities for people smaller on the depth chart, but not a lot of people tapped into those preseason games anyway. So you can probably cut that if you want to add another week to the regular NFL slate. I think we have saw last year that preseason games are kind of necessary. You know, not four preseason games, but potentially two or three, just so players could get into that groove and get into you know, game situation because we saw a lot of injuries that happened early on in the season because players were kind of just going from practice and not competing with other players, only competing with themselves. And you got to only imagine that when teams are in practice that they're not going 100% seeing the same colors on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. But I think you have those couple of preseason games, I think two or three could potentially get them in the groove. It still helps out younger players if they need to, one, learn the system or two, you know, move up in the depth chart because we have seen a couple of players. I believe there is a player on the Saints. On the Saints, I forgot his name, but he was like a kick returner and nobody really knew. I think he was undrafted, but in the preseason, he started kicking up on special teams and then he was able to, you know, get a couple of kick returns for the Saints, I think two years ago, if I remember correctly. So the preseason does help, I think, you shouldn't eliminate the preseason as a whole, but I think you have that. You have those two bye weeks um, in the regular season. If you want to go 17 games, sure, help out with revenue for the NFL because Lord knows that they lost revenue with that. And then potentially, again, move back to Super Bowl to President's Day weekend. It would be fantastic. Ain't that, ain't that right, Veronica? It would be an exceptional time if the Super Bowl got moved so, back. That would be the best news in the entire world. Like, the Super Bowl at this point, it is a national holiday. Like, we should have time off for the Super Bowl. Like, that's how big it is. Everyone watches the Super Bowl. We should absolutely not have to go to work and to school the next day. I think it's a great idea. 10 out of 10, I support. 
Hopefully Roger Goodell is tapped in to this X's and Opinions episode right now because we got some great content going on. But unfortunately, that is all that we have here on this X's and Opinions episode. Again, a fantastic crew that we had on this show today. Christian Gardner, Veronica Gale, our producer, Liam Plate. Once again, I'm Wilma Lewis telling you, so have a great rest of your day. If you're listening to this in the morning, have a great night. If you're listening at nighttime, make sure you check out at WSU Sports on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more. And check out the other podcasts that we have here on our podcasting services. Christian Gardner recently, you know, debuted his journey through the Big East, talking about some UConn women's basketball. So definitely check that out. But once again, hold on, wait, wait. You, you want something to say, Christian? Oh, no, I was just going to say thank you. Thank you for listening. I mean, UConn is the greatest dynasty to ever reach sports, and you got to know how it all starts. I just want to just make sure if you want to just, you know, talk about it a little bit more. But, hey, it's going to be a great feature story. Definitely tune in. Veronica, you have any parting words that you want to say on this episode? No, I mean, what a great debut with a lovely panel, and even our producer got in on the sports talk. So, I mean, 10 out of 10, what an all-star cast. Once again, I'm Wilma Lewis. Thank you for tuning in. Check out all other services and our other podcasts and have a great rest of your day and stay safe.